0: Hi, I'm Tom Fennec-Smith, and this is the Genuine X podcast. We have partnered up with our friends at Ericsson to find out more about their Innovation Awards programme. The Ericsson Innovation Awards is an annual global student competition that sets a new challenge every year. This year's theme was Dive Deeper, a call for teams to take inspiration from under the surface of our oceans. We will be speaking to this year's finalists, each of which has an idea that could change the world. Joining me for these conversations is Carrie Mahoney, GenuineX's Head of Strategy.
1: Today, we talk to Team Singapore, otherwise known as Manta. Having met at school, this team now studies at the National University of Singapore, where they collaborated to create a self-sustaining, fully automated smart ocean cleanup system, inspired by a manta ray's ricochet filtering mechanisms. Its aim is to collect microplastic from our ocean and repurpose them we discuss the potential implementation of their invention and how combining it with one of the world's highest pollution industries could be the key in changing the conversation around sustainability.
0: Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. Before we get into your invention, can we just hear a little bit about yourselves? And we'll just go around here. So starting with Fabian. Hi, my name is Fabian. I'm
2: from the National University of Singapore. Currently my second year studying chemical engineering. It's my first time here in Sweden and I'm really enjoying the food here, but the weather is a bit chilly. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> A bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit. How about you, Tun?
3: Hi, I'm Tun, also from the National University of Singapore. I'm a second year environmental studies student. Sweden, yeah, it's a great place. My first time here, my friends, some of them have been here, they gave pretty good recommendations, especially like
4: for Max Burgers.
0: And then Yao Chun? Yeah, that's correct. Yes! Chinese yep. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> pronunciation is getting better, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah,
4: Ooh. my name is Yao Chun. Um, I'm a student at the National University of Singapore, and I'm studying uh, chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. Like um, Fabian, and later on it will be Joshua. Um, it's also my first time here in Sweden, and I really like um, the architecture in Stockholm, and the officia is also great.
0: Great, thank you. And then Joshua,
5: I'm Joshua. Um, I think we have said already we are from National University of Singapore, Mm -hmm. studying chemical engineering. But I think something different is that I'm taking a second major in innovation and design as well. Oh, really? So Mm -hmm. I feel it's really interesting, like, being able to put whatever I've learned into this um, project as well.
0: What sort of area of design are you focusing on?
5: The the idea of design thinking, to apply design thinking into our prototypes, into the models, Mm -hmm. into framing how we want to... um, picture how, how we want to frame our ideas.
1: That's really interesting. The, the, do you find a lot of similarities between what you're learning in chemical engineering and looking at problems and kind of design and innovation? Or is it is it showing you a different way of approaching challenges? I think
5: design thinking provides me with a bit of a different approach in terms of how I approach problems. Because as in from a chemical engineering point of view, it's always there's a problem we try to solve. Mm. So Whereas from a design thinking point of view, it's more of trying to understand the, pers- the personas, the people we are trying to solve the problem for. So it allows a fresh take as to understanding the problem from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So I feel this is, um, it gives me a much more insights as to
0: um, solving problems. That's great. And then if we could just come back to you, Tung. So you did not study chemical engineering.
3: <laughs> no. No. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a complete opposite. So I'm doing environmental studies, um, focusing more on the biology side. Mm-hmm. So animal behavior and physiology. The thing what pulled me to the course was my interest in marine biology, also which coincides with this year's team for the, the competition. The team itself and the problem that we're trying to solve, it's, which we'll touch on a bit later, it's, it's something that holds pretty close to me.
0: So as I understand it, your, your invention, Manta, is, is a way of approaching the ever-growing issue of microplastics in the oceans, right? Yes. And so where did that insight come from? Was it from you or was it just something that you're all aware of?
3: I think it was an issue that all of us were aware of, and it's uh, ever-growing like, in the news. And we're just hearing of more cases of marine animals getting affected by plastics, be it big or small, and cases of microplastics actually showing up within the either marine animals or the fish that we eat.
0: And I would imagine, like living in Singapore, fish is a rather large percentage of the diet, yeah. right? You guys will eat fish a lot, right? So it's a constant issue. Yeah. Yeah, um, is. So where did the idea come from?
3: I think for the idea, we were tossing on different mechanisms that were present underwater. Mm -hmm. And one animal that's always intrigued us was the manta. And I guess kind of in line a few months back, uh, when we decided to apply for the competition, there was a recently discovered mechanism Mm -hmm. um, founded in the US by the University of Oregon on the manta ricochet mechanism. So we thought we could
0: adapt it. Could you just explain a little bit about what that is? The ricochet mechanism is a
4: filtering mechanism that we have adopted. The design is unique in the sense that most conventional filters tend to have clogging after a long period of time. That means to say that if we have small particles that cannot pass through the filter, this will block the flow of the fluid, maybe like water for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and that defeats the purpose of a filter when eventually you still have to go and maintain the filter. You still have to remove the objects that are blocking the filter. The ricochet mechanism, this was feeding filtering mechanism used in Manta Rays. The gaps between the fins of the filter create small vortices. And these vortices pushes the small particles, in this case microplastics in our intervention. So it pushes them away from the filter. That's to say, if the microplastic hits the manta filter, it bounces off from
0: it. So in essence, like in nature, obviously a manta would use that to feed for plankton plankton and things like that. But you guys managed to transfer that kind of knowledge to the manta product that you guys have built to filter microplastics. That is correct. Excellent. Excellent.
1: That's really interesting because I think that there's a lot of people who, you know, uneducated about the challenge around microplastics, their first assumption would just be, well, why can't you just put like essentially a big net out there and 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 troll it around? And obviously the reason that doesn't work is because the filters take so much time maintaining. Mm -hmm. But when you were kind of coming at this challenge, you also must have been, I mean, the ocean's a really big place. So does does your Manta project, does that, is it self-propelled? How does it? How are you guys thinking it's going to move through the ocean and, and start to cha- tackle this challenge?
5: I think the problem of microplastics is that a lot of microplastics are concentrated in the deeper regions of the sea. So they are out there in the sea and we can't do dive cleanups because the microplastics are too small to pick up. And therefore what we were thinking is, who actually go out into the deeper regions of the sea, who actually travel in those parts of the sea. And boats were actually the ones that actually go out there in the sea, as in they would have to pass by these paths. And that's why we thought of implementing our Manta technology onto the ships itself. So it's making use of the ships. As you go out to travel from one place to another, you get to clear microplastics at the same time. And I think it's kind of ironic, because ships are often known as the largest pollutants in, (laughs) I think... So I think what we are trying to do is trying to create a start with a positive change, starting from ships, one of the biggest pollutants in around the world, to show that even they can make a change in the environment.
1: So that that's really interesting. So essentially your manta product would be mounted on is it on the front of a ship, or is it just pretty much anywhere?
2: So actually we had several iterations of our project. Um how we actually thought of it is that of course we need something to propel our manta filters. And at first we thought of Hmm. why not we create a device that actually is able to move in, inside the ocean? But we, re- we realized that this isn't really very sustainable and it's not feasible as well. So we thought, why not use current technology? So we decided to use ships. Um, we also decided to put it on the hulls of the ships, where, where as the ships travel, it will pass through the microplastics and also collect these microplastics. But we realized that this is very hard to implement as um, there's this um, set of rules that ships have to follow and um, we cannot just plan something at the hulls <laughs> of the ships, um, especially because, you know, um, it will increase the drag force and the materials, all these uh, yeah. different factors. So we thought, what other ways could we um, implement our product into the ships? And we were talking to a few shipping companies and we realized that the ships already take in water as they move through this thing called the ballast systems of the ships. And in the ballast systems of the ships, what they do is they absorb water as um, they pass through the waters. And this ballast system is actually used to stabilize the ships, such as, um, for example, cargo ships. When... Um, goods are being unloaded the weight there'll be a weight difference in the ships and so water will either be uh, absorbed or released depending on this weight difference so to keep the boat stable this process is continuous water keeps coming in and out mm. in and out so as the ships travel why not we use our device to filter out the water that yeah. comes in and as we look deeper into the issue we realize that this is actually a problem that they are having now. Um, as water go in, they only are, they are only able to use big filters to clear out the macro plastics, the bigger plastics, mm-hmm. and even um, unfortunately sometimes marine life that passes through. But they realize they cannot use any um, smaller filters because of the clogging problem. So um, we decided, hey, our, our invention will definitely be of use in this ship, and that's how we. Um, this whole project came together uh, and finally where we are at right now. That's a
0: great solution as well, because you've kind of gone around the issue as well of drag on the boat, right? So, so you've kind of solved that. So, yes, you've got an invention that now is helping clean up the oceans, but it's also not slowing the boats down and polluting the oceans more, right? So that's really great.
1: Well, and also I love that it kind of starts to solve multiple challenges. You know, like you were talking about Joshua and this idea of looking at a problem from a different point of view and of really the human need. And so if you can really, you know, what is the biggest way to get Uh, companies or corporations or industries to take on social problems is to make it beneficial for them and so if the man ray system can really help the ships Mm. uh, as well as help the environment well then your chance of it being implemented goes up a lot doesn't it
0: yes and i'm also um, just thinking about it i'm also guessing that these are probably connected in some kind of data they have data abilities to to create a data network or an understanding of the issue right
2: that's actually our uh, feature of our product, which is the GIS uh, heat maps, which is an important feature for us because um, ultimately what we're trying to do is completely clear the seas of microplastics. Mm-hmm. And this data is collected by um, Arduino sensors, which are connected into the mentor the device. Mm-hmm. So how it works is that as these ships pass through, it will, um, the water will go through the existing ballast system mm-hmm. and we will tap out um, some of the water that passes through these butter systems into our filter. So first of all, it will clear out um, the microplastics that passes through and these microplastics will then be pumped into a drum system where it removes the microplastics from other uh, mineral so- and sources through these electrostatic um, currents. And these microplastics will then fall into um, a container which will collect these microplastics in a sensor which detects microplastics by weight. And that is how we are able to continuously check the microplastics. That's a really
0: interesting solution, (laughs) man. That's really clever. And then, so there is a market for these microplastics after they've been found, right? This is what I find really exciting about this as well. Could you want to explain a little bit around that?
3: So for microplastics, there is an increasing market for it. Uh, Most of the companies that we talk to currently still work with larger plastics. Um, The one we categorize as microplastics but they are slowly moving into microplastics as they realize that more and more of these larger plastics are disintegrating in the oceans or in any water body that we can find. Uh, most of the microplastics, we realize that have pretty high carbon content and can be converted into uh, other users. Uh, one of the companies that we've actually talked to is MacRibur, which is based in UK. So they actually repurpose these plastics into and incorporate it into asphalt and lay it on the roads instead. Uh, there are also technologies that can convert High carbon content uh, plastics into diesel, yeah, which we are currently exploring into as well.
0: So almost money from nothing, cut kind of invention, right? You can turn things back into diesel and power, continue to power the earth.
1: That's so crazy. And it, like, help me understand a little bit because I know some of the other teams, you know, were put together. How how did an environmental, you know, science major as well as chemical engineers? How how did this team come together? How did how did this happen? I think it
5: started with Yao Chen. Yep. So uh, he actually, as he actually saw an email by our university, um, mm.
4: suggesting that there's this competition that's going correct. on. Yeah. So, so then he. Yeah. So when I look at the email, um, I decided it's an interesting challenge because it's something that gets us to dive deeper into something of the unknown, something that's very little known about our Earth, and that's the oceans. The ocean presents many challenges for us, and one of which made us interested was. Um, microplastics itself and that's because on our campus at the university there are a lot of um, environmental movements and climate change movements um, tackling like issues about uh, rising sea levels or like um, tackling the use of single-use plastics for example and the initiatives that are going on out there so um, there is a general level of interest and awareness at our university and in fact maybe most Singaporeans about caring for the environment um, that got us to think, maybe they can try to do creative solution to a problem that, um, you know, we are mostly aware of. And that's how we assembled um, our team as I we love are today.
1: That. So you guys brought your, brought yourselves together, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're all friends. We're all friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. great. It's You know, there must be a little bit, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, climate change and rising problems and especially with pollution. But, you know, living in an island nation, you know, that must hit. A little bit closer to home or, you know, the, the impacts that we're seeing are hitting countries like yours on a much more immediate basis. And that must have a deeper emotional tie than maybe some some other challenges or some other problems.
3: I think um, one of the closest things that I can relate to is because I do dive. And when I dive, I do see, I've gone for dive cleanups and I've picked up a large amount of rubbish, um, marine debris that has been left over for Long periods of time. I've seen bicycles, trolleys, <laughs> all within Singapore waters, and the scale of which that I see things is getting quite alarming. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking to some of the more, uh, more experienced divers who have dive for a longer period of time, mm-hmm. and they're saying that the amount of trash, even though they do cleanups regularly, it, it doesn't seem to end. So there's constant flow of trash in this in the open water as well. And seeing it firsthand, it's, the impact is a lot.
0: Yeah, it's. The, I'm I'm a diver myself, and I've definitely seen. You know you see crazy like yogurt pots floating by from the seventies uh, like and you still have the labels on you 're like, "My God, has this been down here for forty years <laughs> It's insane, so it comes kind of from a very natural place for you it 's something that you are very inherently believe in as all of you kind of believe in this as a, as yes, an issue yes. um Have you seen it affecting Singapore as an in as a place I think um
4: the stance that Singapore has adopted was to tackle the problem uh, before it's too late. Too, it's too late to try and reverse mm-hmm. uh, the effects of, say, climate change or like uh, maybe the effects of microplastics. So what Singapore has tried to do is to try and impose like um, additional fees if you were to use like single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a larger scale, um, they are building sea walls along the coastal areas of Singapore because they anticipate that in the coming years, the sea levels would rise and it would affect Singapore to some extent. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think on a national level in Singapore, um, there's a general level of awareness that people understand that, you know, sometimes we still have to, you know, put more emphasis onto environmental issues that are going about in Singapore.
1: And, and Fabian, you were talking a little bit earlier about some of the challenges you found while testing, which is always the most interesting part of any kind of a de- development process, isn't it? Um, what, maybe what was some of the most surprising things that you guys find, or maybe some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome while going through the development process and then the implementation?
2: I think um, the biggest challenge that we faced was actually um, how are we going to fit this into the ships? Because um, I think it's a rather crazy idea that you know you just plant it at the front of ships. It seems easy, but in reality, it's like it really affects a lot of things for the ships. And um, what ship owner will allow you to just plant something on the front of their ships, which not only affects their movement, their their daily movements, and you don't even know how it's going to um, affect it. And it's because of that, that we've been finding ways of how to really um, plant our fil- filters onto the ships.
1: And has working on this, has this made, have you guys been thinking of spin-off ideas now? Or are you kind of just thinking about the other ways that you can kind of maybe implement this system, other places it could live, even outside of, sh- you know, ships as a whole? I think
5: moving forward, we want to make sure that microplastics do not enter the sea in the first place. So, I think many may not may not know, but like, um, the washing, you know, the products like washing machine that we use in our everyday life actually produce a lot of microplastics when they wash the microfibers off our clothes. And that's actually a huge source of um, contribute, a huge contributor towards microplastics. And therefore, we actually want to implement our filtering technology mm-hmm. onto these microplastics producing products to ensure that these microplastics do not enter out into the open ocean. Mm-hmm. And... I think something that maybe hits us even stronger it's that our fishes actually contain microplastics within them. Yeah, I think as what Tunisian has mentioned earlier. So the idea it's how do we want to ensure that the fishes that we consume today do not have microplastics in them? And therefore, I think we have been discussing like a few a few possible directions we are looking at is uh actually implementing these like sort of fish fencing um sort of like fences around the fish farms with the filter mechanism so that the fishes within these fish farms can be deemed as microplastic free i think this is more of a business idea we are looking towards to tackle the immediate um threat i think we are facing as of now
0: and then w- you, we're all sitting here in sweden at the moment and we're in one of the ericsson buildings recording this podcast and you guys are here as part of the ericsson innovation award the finals are coming up what would winning mean for you guys oh silence <laughs> <laughs> uh, um
4: at the moment, we have uh, filed a patent application and it's pending um, regarding the filter technology. Um, what we wanted to do while filing this patent is to also uh, receive some form of uh, seed capital for us to work with more dive boats as an early adopter and subsequently cargo ships, um, to work with our early adopters to better understand about uh, the mechanics of our filters being a fix to the ballast uh, pumps, uh, tanks rather, of the ships. We have also worked very closely with um, the startup incubators in our university to work with like-minded startups um, that are passionate about the environment to also um, grow their ideas through meeting more business partners, more um, experts that are relevant in the field to better understand the problem, to better understand about what they can do to better improve um their prototypes and that's what we intend to do by the time we win this competition um, we will continue, continue to use that uh, money to further develop our prototype into one that's uh, commercially viable
0: because what i really like about your guys approach is actually you don't need to win to do that right <laughs> and you guys are actually already on the path to extending out and reaching out for more people to be involved in the project and it sounds to me like you guys are in this for the long haul. Like, there's a real passion that comes from you guys about this microplastics issue. I
4: I think um, we can also share a little bit about our motivation of participating in the Ericsson Innovation Awards. In fact, any other pitch competitions that uh, our team has signed up for. It brings back to something I've mentioned earlier. It's about um, the challenge of understanding the unknowns, acquiring new knowledge that's outside our expertise. By going to different competitions, in fact, Ericsson Innovation Awards uh, competition, we talked to People from diverse backgrounds, people with different perspectives, people with different levels of um, understanding about the shipping industry or some people who just look at the product and say, you know, is it going to be viable? Is it something that people actually want? So we talk to many people. We talk to different judges. We start their feedback. We learn more about our product. We learn more about the problem at hand. After the competition ends, regardless of the results, I think we really had our greatest takeaway, which is the fantastic mentoring support um, from the Singapore side and the Ericsson side. Special Shout out to, sh- shout out to Yuho and Kati. <laughs> they've been fantastic mentors. Uh, we really thank them for the amount of advice, the amount of uh, resources they've provided to us to help us better achieve um, our dreams and our prototype of going out to a microplastic crisis Um, that will be looming across many countries in fact um, in the coming years
0: because what i like is that you guys have such a simple goal right and actually they say the best ideas are normally very simple and it's get rid of microplastics right but i think you guys are all very well aware that you need help to do that right and there are other people who can help and that's really great to see if money was no object and ambition was as much you know you could reach to the sky with it what's your biggest ambition for this
2: Actually, my biggest ambition is really on social causes. So ever since young, um, I've been a big fan of, um, I've always been um, very attracted to helping not just my family, not just my friends, but the bigger society. And um, something that really made my heart ache was um, back in Singapore, um, every time at hawker centres or um, at um, food places, There'll be a lot of um who are cleaning tables and um there's this problem where um there's no age limit to uh, how to your work to the work yeah. industry yeah and it really hurts me because i'm I'm really a big fan of social issues so um that that's actually one of the biggest reasons why I also joined this competition because i i'm I really want to help impact the social mm-hmm. society in general so um how can i um best create a solution that could, um, if I may, save mankind. Yeah. Because um, I think making being able to make that dent, make that impact in yeah. the world would really make me very happy. I'm actually a very simple person. I just yeah. really want to You help. just want to save the world. Yeah, I just, I yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, the
0: best ideas are simple, right? Yeah. Just save the world.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. What about you, Tun? I think for me, I
3: saw the competition as a chance to increase the awareness but the microplastics and the plastics issue around the world and especially in in the marine environment. And what worked for the four of us was that we came from different backgrounds and different expertise. So we have different niches in different areas of study and that came together to actually come together with a product that is sustainable and viable. I guess in the long run, with no limits, one issue that has been irking me for a long time is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yeah, which if I'm not wrong, it's the size of France. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's pretty massive yeah. on the geological scale. As a diver, that one must really... That,
3: yeah. It's a crazy problem. Um, I've seen videos of how... They have goals of trying to clear at least 50% of it, but looking at the scale, looking at the extent of the patch itself, it seems quite tough. And with our technology, I don't know how far it will go. Of course, we're hoping it's to go as far as possible and hopefully you know, remove or reduce the size of the patch.
4: Great. Thanks. Um, when I was younger, I probably wanted to be an astronaut. And right now, I don't think I've settled on a particular ambition that I'm extremely um, determined at. But I always approach my life more of like, you know, trying to have a sample of so many different diverse backgrounds, uh, so many different things that, you know, I could possibly do, have a little bit of experiences um, here and there. Uh, cherish good friendships, uh, talk to people, Um, you know, spend time um, enjoying the things that I do is what I always strive to do. Yeah, I think it's very hard to put a particular thing towards long-term ambition because as I grow up older, um, the way I think would change, the way I find things that are important to me and I value more would also be different at different stages of my life. But I think one principle that I always would hold true is to always continually try new things, to continually cherish the things that I find important and I love most. So thank you. And then finally, Joshua.
0: Greatest ambition, biggest ambition. For myself, fifty years later I
5: asked myself, what legacy have I left behind? What would I be remembered for? I think it's a bit ambitious, but in my life I want to be able to have an impact on society especially in terms of environmental issues because I feel environmental issue is something that it's very hard to... It's a problem that everybody wants to solve but nobody wants to actually solve it because it's a problem. It's something that affects everybody but who is willing to put in an extra effort to actually solve these problems? And therefore, I feel that this is where I'm able to come in, able to innovate, I'm able to think of ideas, how to make these environmental issues less painful for us. So... I think, for instance, like uh, changing from like, I think the classic example I use, it's changing from plastic straws to metal straws. It's really uncomfortable. Like, I'm so used to my plastic straws. Why should I want to change? But this is where I feel I could come in um, using innovation. For instance, there are things like collapsible tumblers to actually introduce these ideas to make it less painful for the change to happen. And therefore, um, embarking on this project, starting with the shipping companies, it's of course very painful for shipping companies to, to actually want to actually do the, this change with us because they are, after all, a business. And I think we need, I need to recognize that a lot of environmental issues, there is an economic cost to pay for it because it is, not, it is good for the planet, but it is bad for the business. So that's what in the future I want to actually be able to introduce how we are able to make it green, how we are actually ensure to make, make it sustainable. I think that's the goal I want to achieve.
1: Well, that's amazing. I mean, thank you all for for sitting down with us and having a a chat with us. I mean, I think I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for Tom too. Um, You know, I think you guys are going to go on to do really great things. Can't wait to see what happens uh, with with the Manta Project. Um, And we wish you all the luck, all the luck.
0: Good luck, guys. Thank you so much. much. Thank you you for having us. With a current average of 78 different plastics found inside one fish and our own consumption of microplastics set to be at around 78,000 parts per year, This problem is a big one. We love their optimism and passion to try and solve our microplastics problem. We were struck by their desire to collaborate and excited by their belief that their idea could be the beginning of solving one of the world's biggest looming problems. You can find out more about the Ericsson Innovation Awards and all the other finalist teams at ericsson.com where you can also find details on how to apply for next year's Ericsson Innovation Awards. All links can be found in the description below. Thank you for listening to the Genuine X podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe.